Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast, brought to you by HypeBot.com. Thanks so much to Bruce and everybody at HypeBot for supporting the show and uh, everything they do for the music world. So, Jay, you're joined by a special guest today. Yeah, we have a special guest today. We have Anthony Bruno. Uh, He's Director of Communications for Royalty Exchange, which is an online platform for buying and selling royalty assets. What does that mean? Well, Anthony's going to tell us. Anthony, uh, welcome to the show. And it's Anthony, not Anthony, in case you're trying to find him online. Um, I remember him from uh, from Billboard. He used to write with Billboard. Um, Anthony, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. So tell us a little bit, um, wh- what does that mean, you know, uh, buying and selling royalty assets? Sure. So basically uh, what Royalty Exchange is, is it's a platform where artists – can raise money uh, by basically getting connected with private investors, okay? And uh, you can think of it similar to maybe like a Kickstarter platform or Kickstarter by connect an artist with their fans and and engage their fans to raise money. We basically help you connect with investors to raise money. These are, uh, you know, high net worth individuals and whatnot that are looking for uh, investments and they can invest in your royalty stream basically in different ways. And so that's that's the simple answer. If that now, now in, in, in the past, I mean, is this similar to in the past, there's always been a couple big name stories that were out there of some major superstar is selling off his royalties. Is, is that basically what this is similar to? Sim- similar to it. I mean, buying and selling royalties is really nothing new in the music business. I mean, we see these stories all the time, right? Where we're a little bit different in, in a couple of ways, okay? One is that you don't need to sell all of your royalties on royalty exchange. You can say carve out 10, 15% of your, whether it's your entire catalog or a particular song or whatever it is that you're generating income from that you have uh, the, the ability to to sell, you're selling off a, a part of your royalty income. It's not your, that's not your overall royalties. You're not selling your copyright. You're not giving up control. You're just taking a, a portion of what you're earning from those royalties and making them available to an investor. Okay, so that's the first difference about it. The second thing about it that's different is that we're a marketplace. We don't actually necessarily buy the royalties themselves ourselves. Basically, we connect you with investors through our marketplace. So everything is much more transparent. When you go to our site, you can see everything that we've done. Every single auction that's ever been run on Royalty Exchange is is on the platform under closed listings. You can see what the starting price was, what the last 12 months of earnings of that of that stream was, what the final closing price was. You can see the auction history and see how many people bid on it and what increments they bid. Everything is fully transparent and open, and that's really a core uh, value that we have here because there's been a lot of lack. You know, there's, there's a lot of there's a lack of transparency in the music business. I think you yeah. guys all know that. Yeah. And we're trying to bring that a little bit because it's transparency that's important to bring in the investors. An investor's not going to come in and evaluate these things as, as a potential investment and put their money towards unless it's transparent. And so by making it so, you bring in a whole new uh, group of people that are interested in providing financing to artists and creators and songwriters and others that wouldn't happen under the, the traditional way of doing things. So is it kind of like a stock exchange? Is it, you know... It's not a stock exchange in the sense that... Um, you know, you could buy shares, like individual shares of a song. It's like it's an auction platform. It's it's more akin to say like an eBay, Got where it. you're all in. You're not buying a piece of. Yeah, yeah, you could buy whatever's whatever's for sale is is available. Um, that the, the creator chooses what portion they want to make available for sale. Got it. Uh, one person ends up owning that. 
basically. Okay. And then they could always resell it on the platform. But again, it's more of an auction process and sort of like a buy trade and then up and down stock prices throughout the day. That doesn't exactly happen on, on our side. People have tried that, but they, it doesn't work for, for very good reason. So, so you, you mentioned how investors would evaluate something. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that comes to my, my mind, a, a question is, is there a, a, a basic level of success, I guess, that an artist needs to have to make it even worthwhile? I mean, you yeah, know, if Jay question. and I started a band tomorrow and said, hey, we're willing to sell off our royalties, someone's going to go, yeah, but you got nothing. You're absolutely right. That's exactly one of the other ways that makes us a little bit different. There are places out there where uh, a, a emerging or aspiring artist can say, hey, I need X amount of money for this new album. And uh, if you give me that money, you get 50% of anything I make. Like Those things exist. That's not us. In order to work with us, you have to have an existing royalty stream. Our threshold is at least, when I say, I, basically it's at least $2,500 annually, but that's for the portion you want to sell. You could be making $100,000 annually and just sell that smaller portion of it, it's completely up to you, right? So there has to be a history of income. And in fact, the longer history of income there is, meaning the older the song, generally the better it does on our platform because investors have a longer period of time to A, evaluate, but also when they when they, when they they see something that, that's been earning for a, a period of years, there's a there's a rule in investment or like a theory of investment that says if it's been if it's making this much for this long period of time it'll probably continue making this much for this period of time in the future. I mean we all know past performance is no indicator of future you know earnings things like that but it's that same concept that's applied. Right. So if you know you're you're buying and selling. So if I want to invest, you know if I want to buy royalties from an artist is mm-hmm. that for a term? Is it in perpetuity? How does that work? Great question. So basically, historically, the way we've done it has been in perpetuity. Okay, uh, We are looking at an option where you'd be able to sell for a term. All right? So let's say 10 years. Okay, uh, That's just as, as interesting to an investor as, an, as a perpetuity uh, sale is. Because from the investor point of view, uh, this helps them better evaluate what it is that they're doing. You see what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. there's buying something and applying a multiple to it for something you're going to own forever is actually really difficult to kind of not difficult, but it's just a little bit of a different uh, equation for mm-hmm. an investor to kind of wrap their head around. But if they could say, okay, I'm spending this much, um, and I'm going to pay, I'm going to own this for this much time, they're able to make a, a more rational sort of forecast in terms of their investment decision. And at the same time, for an for an artist, for a creator, they could sell. Get their tenure up front, and then get the royalties back to them after ten years. The benefit there is that there's other ways of, of leveraging royalties, as, you, as I'm sure you guys know. There's loans, there's advances, things like that. Those sure. things still exist, but what you're getting, like the amount of, of of capital, if you will, that you can raise up front through either of those forms, are going to be slightly lower, and what you have to pay to get that loan is going to be slightly higher. In fact, in, in some cases, much higher, particularly in the private advance space. Sure. You know, so with uh, so with a ten-year temporary sale, the the bulk sum that you get from that will be far greater than you can achieve through a loan or an advance. Yet, what the cost is, so to speak, uh, is far lower. Now, when when somebody um, purchases uh, a percentage of royalties, mm-hmm. at at that point. Does it fall on to the artist to handle all future payouts and administrations? How does that work? 
You guys are asking great questions. I love this. So basically, in order to we no the short answer is no. Okay. okay. What we do is we determine what through what processes the royalty being collected and distributed. Okay. And the great thing about the music business is that these are rather established systems. I mean, let's look at songwriter uh, royalties like uh, PROs, for instance. It's very very simple, relatively speaking, to sell a portion of your songwriter's uh, share uh, in your royalties. We facilitate the auction on the site. We work with the PRO to then send a letter direct and that says, okay, from now on, 20% of this is now going to the person who bought it, whereas the other 80% continues going to the, to the songwriter that had it all along. These systems are already in place. We work with the PROs to make this happen. There is a process for doing so, but we take care of that. And the artist has to do nothing, essentially, uh, in that particular sense. I mean, if there if there is, we're very careful about what's called counterparty risk. Like, we don't want to for someone to buy a royalty on our site and then have there be some confusion and, and, and difficulty right. in what they bought going to them. So unless we unless we're assured that that's not going to be an issue, we don't even put it, it doesn't even get to the site. Like we do all that work in the background before it even makes its way publicly. Interesting. Let me run a scenario by you, Anthony. And, sure. And you tell me if this is viable. So let's say that I'm a big fan of of rock music and Michael's got a, a rock band and they're about ready to put out their second record and I know this thing's going to pop because I've been following these guys. Could I go to Michael as a songwriter and go, dude, I want to you know help you guys raise some revenue and then bring him on to the royalty exchange platform and do a transaction like that or does it have to be open to the public? It absolutely has to be open to the public. Um, if it's not, a, we don't broker private transactions at all. I mean, for us, it all has to be done through the marketplace. Everybody has to have the ability to um, make their yeah. bid heard. In fact, we have a we have a thing on a, like a, a policy where if someone bids in the last five minutes of a scheduled auction, that auction automatically extends past its original end time because we don't want people what's called sniping, right? right? You get this on eBay, you know what yep, I'm talking about? I do. They bid at the last minute and they get it. No, hey, you know what? We want everyone to have the ability to express themselves what they want. And that's best for the for the person who's selling. It is. You get So so how how long bids. do you extend it for? Uh, I believe it's another 5 minutes. Okay. Okay. And, um, and there's alerts. I mean, if you're if you're registered for the auction and you're getting emails, you're getting alerts, hey, this bid just went to here. I mean, it, there's a lot of you get a lot of emails and communication from us if you're if you're registered for an auction because you get a lot of activity. Do you have an automated that. thing where I could say, look, I, I'll buy it up to this point, but after that I'm yes. out, and then you could just yeah. There's, well, there's a there's a proxy bid. You, you could you could set it. You know, here's what I want to do, and at these increments, and there's a process for that for sure. And then even if you reach your proxy bid, if you change your mind, you can still always bid after that as well. Got it. What um what does royalty exchange take for doing all of this? Do you take a percentage of the royalties? Yes. Yeah, you can think of us like a real estate agent. Okay. okay, so we basically take the percentage of the final sale from uh, the seller. Got okay. It. Got it. Now, you know, there is there is another way of doing this. Like, So we, we've talked mostly about royalty exchange, which is the online platform. You may have heard of a subsidiary of ours called Royalty Flow. Does that ring a bell to you at all? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. So Royalty Flow uh, is an entity that, that, that will acquire catalogs itself, large catalogs, far larger than could ever appear on the auction platform, um, multi-million dollar uh, catalogs. No one's going to – you're not going to get one single you know, 
guy in an auction writing a right. $5 million, $10 million check for, for royalty the Prince so, Estate or Marley Estate or something, right? Or whatever it is, yeah. right? So, so royalty flow actually uh, buys those larger catalogs and holds it, and its revenue is basically made based on the uh, performance of the catalogs that it buys and owns. And royalty flow is under, it's undergoing an IPO process right now and uh, with the intention of listing uh, as a public company on uh, NASDAQ once we're complete. And that would be a way to like buy shares in any of the, not, not individually, but all the catalogs that Royalty Flow acquires. By buying shares in Royalty Flow, you're basically buying in exposure to the revenues that those other catalogs uh, generate, basically. So that, that's, that's a way of securitizing it, but it's, it's a securitized company that owns these, these, these catalogs, and it's on, a, it's on an established public exchange. Not yet, but we, you know, we're, we're looking at listening to NASDAQ once the IPO process is, is complete. And so the first catalog that was uh, acquired there was the original producers of uh, M&M, the, the, their share of M&M's catalog that they owned for working with him early in his career. That's the first one that we've acquired, and, and we're looking to acquire others over time after we raise the funds through the IPO process to go ahead and, and, and conduct those deals. So for, for somebody who might be interested in, in purchasing something through Royalty Exchange, can you give us a, a range of what some of the typical investments are? I mean, are they as cheap as a couple hundred dollars? Do they average 5000 What is sure. the range that, that an investor might be looking at here? Good question. It's actually a, it's a pretty broad range. I mean, the average, uh, I believe, is around fifty or 60000 for a closed auction. Uh, but they've been as low as, say, 15000 to as high as over 500000 Okay. Um, so it's it's pretty broad. I mean, I think a lot of times what we do is when we see a catalog coming in uh, that's starting off at a relatively lower price, like I think there's one that's either up now or or will be soon for around eight thousand dollars as a starting price. That's usually a good place for people to kind of for the kind of investors that we work with to get their feet wet with it. Whereas we've had investors that's been some people have you know won four or five six auctions and they're they're putting hundreds of thousand dollars down uh, where they can. So you know investors <clears throat> depends on. Kind of investor they are. A lot of them are looking to, to deploy larger um, sums of capital, so they do, they don't bother with the smaller stuff. They only go for the bigger stuff, and then vice versa. So there's a little bit of something for almost everyone. Certainly, if it's in the hundred dollar range, royalty flow might be more uh, what you're looking for. That will allow you to buy. So right now, during the IPO process, you you can uh, buy a minimum of 300 shares in royalty flow, and that translates at the IPO price at 750 a share to 2,250 dollars. Once that goes to NASDAQ and it's, you know, per share liquidity on a public exchange, it'll be whatever the per share price is that, that day. And, and certainly a couple hundred dollars is a way of getting involved in it. But you're not owning your own royalty stream. You're owning part of this company. So how does it work when, let's say, there's sync licensing? Um, mm -hmm. does, does that tie into that? You know, other revenue streams? Uh, yes, I mean basically any anything that's that's collects a royalty we can work with. We've done uh, uh, auctions for sync, uh, sync mechanical songwriting, publishing. We've even done some you know recording, uh, you know master recording uh, uh, royalties. Like I said, as long as there's an established system for collecting and distributing that money in a way that can be redirected uh, automatically, we'll do it. That's so interesting. I, you know. I, I would imagine there there is no system for something like getting investors into a tour. Right, we do not handle tour uh, revenues. In fact, if you in fact if the music industry can figure out a way of ensuring that the revenue coming in and out of a tour, that would be a that would be a pretty innovation. That itself. that would be a big innovation to standardize. <laughs> 
payments you know? at the end of every gig. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, no, we don't deal with that. Can you mention some of the artists that have used Royalty Exchange? Sure, I can mention the uh, the people that we work with are primarily the songwriters. Uh, okay. So the names may not mean anything to most uh, people. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you mentioned some the, on the, the website. The, 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 so the songs that these songwriters have written. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I got a list here. We, we worked with... Look, one of the biggest ones we ever did was a collection of theme songs from Sesame Street, for instance. Wow. Right? It was actually the estate of the of the songwriter who passed away and wanted to donate that to charity. We've worked with uh, songwriters behind um, a song from Cage the Elephant. We've worked with uh, songwriters for Barry White, um, Etta James, Santana, Wiz Khalifa, uh, George Clinton, um, yeah. Korn. I, I, those are the first. I mean, there's there's a ton of them. I mean, I mean, are there the certain that, genres that are more successful than others? Because you had mentioned the Sesame no. Street, and I hadn't thought no. of that. But it's not like we, you yeah. weigh heavily on EDM, country, or pop, or no. I mean, uh, there's a we span all genres. We've done hip hop, EDM. Um, Robert Miles actually was a was a, a prominent EDM artist who passed away last year. That we worked, we did so we did some work with him on some of his work. Um, Doug Lazy actually was a was a eighties house hit, and uh, he actually did you know that that Fat Boy Slim song, um, uh, push the say what your mama gave you. It's on the Charlie's Angels uh, soundtrack. He's the guy in the beginning going push the tempo, push the tempo. So that did very well. Um, again, like it's really across all genres. We've actually been seeing a, a a bit of a what happens is this is that one one someone from a genre of music will come and do a deal with us and work with us, and they'll sell a portion of their royalty stream, and they'll like it. And they'll be really happy with the, with the results, and they talk to each other. I mean, this, there's there's communities here. Right. Sure. So we see we see these things come in waves, and right now one of the bigger waves we have is like in worship and gospel music and whatnot, because we work with a couple of people that write worship music for churches and things like and and and, and worship groups and such. They talk to each other. They refer each other. I'd say it's over fifty percent, maybe even sixty percent of the uh, the auctions and the deals that we have on our platform are either people that are returning to do something again with us or someone who was referred by one of those people. It's like that real estate example you used earlier. Exactly. It's word of mouth, like, hey, my agent did a great job. You need to try so-and-so. Exactly. Well, in some cases, I mean, there's so many writers around the same song. We'll have multiple auctions around the rights of the same song, but it's four different songwriters who were part of that song. Well, you song. bring up is something it, that's really yeah. key is that it's not always a controlled composition, right? A lot of times or a simple controlled composition, a lot of times there's three, four, five, especially these days, you might mm -hmm. have six writers. Does that make it more complex, or is your system just set up, you just plug in the shares of no, I mean, songwriter? All, all of them all of them have their own royalty stream, their own royalty rights. They're registered with the PRO. They're registered with, you know, wherever else they're registered. They're splits, in right? Yeah, they, th those splits are established. All we're doing is just... It's just math at that right. point. It, math and just uh, some kind of a legal, uh, you know, paperwork <laughs> that Where just everybody says, okay, agrees to do it. Yeah. Someone else. But no, but that's the thing. Not everyone else has to even agree. Like the other, one songwriter wants to work with us with, with a song. The other songwriters don't have to agree with what they do with their share. Got it. Because you're that's only like dealing with that songwriter's share. Yeah, exactly. They, they've got, they earn what they earn as got part it. of what they agree upon at the, at the writing of the okay. song. What they do with it after the fact has got nothing to do with it. Yeah. So. Now, I. Obviously, there's always risk involved in any sort of investment, but is it is it fair to say because you, as you stated earlier, you want to make sure there's already an active stream that the, the, the chances of an investor 
picking up a share and then all of a sudden a year later going, this thing has delivered zero dollars, that's probably not going to happen. Well, we hope not, right? I mean, we we won't we evaluate these deals as they come into us before they go on the platform, and you know we do very extensive uh, work researching the catalog, how it's earning, from where it's earning, uh, how much it's earning, and things like that. And if it's not going to be something that we feel would be a good deal for an investor, it's just not something we're going to do. I mean, we're a two-sided marketplace. We have to make two different audiences very happy in order right. for us to survive, right? And so that that takes a little bit of work, and and that's why we you know charge a commission for for the sales on the platform because we do quite a bit of work to make sure that these things are going to be successful for everyone. Now you know if someone overpays for something, you know that's that's obviously not necessarily within our control, right? No, right. I mean, it's, to, it's yeah. an auction, so right. Uh, you know, and sometimes people do. I mean. One of the funnier stories I love this one is that you know people tend investors tend to be very sensible about what they're looking for. They have they looked at the the details. They I mean our auctions last several days, so there's plenty of time to to uh, analyze what it is they're doing, that kind of thing. But you know once someone bids on something, they kind of consider it to be theirs, and and so it, there's a there's an interesting psychology that go that comes into play here. For the most part, they're very disciplined. Sometimes there'll there'll be an emotional connection to it for some reason or another. And so the story that I have is that there was a, a an investor who had you know been on our platform for a while, and uh, he you know the, he came in rather late to the auction and just started bidding it up like crazy. And he and he and he won. So we we, we talked to him. We we talk with everyone you know uh, who who bids and wins in the auction. And it turns out his daughter had gotten engaged at uh, a show from the band who had performed the song. We were working with a songwriter. But it was it was Love and Theft is the name of the it's a country act, sure. and uh, his daughter had gotten engaged at a on stage at a Love and Theft show, so he wanted to buy that royalty stream, and then he gave it to his daughter for her wedding as a gift. So now she's now she's a huge Love and Theft fan who owns a, a royalty stream directly from the song. I think it's a collection of songs from the band, and it's it generates revenue as well. So it's not just like yeah. some novelty thing. It's an actual yeah. real investment. So those kind of things do happen on occasion. Well, you just touched on it. I mean, there's an, it's music. We're not, we're not selling, you know, um, you know, some other product. Exactly. And people have an emotional <laughs> attachment to music. Right. So I can see how maybe sometimes people will do the math and do the research, but a lot of times it may just be an emotional decision. Like, I love this songwriter. I love this song. It was a mm -hmm. part of my life. I want to own this. Yeah, there's there's been examples of the ex-wife of one songwriter uh, selling off her share that she got in the divorce settlement, and then the current wife of that songwriter bidding up to own it. You know, uh, <laughs> there's been examples of we've had kids. Uh, you know, like the Sesame Street, for instance, is one. But we have we had other uh, kids shows theme songs where some guy wanted to buy and say, "Hey, guess what? You know." You we now own part of Door of the Explorer. Whenever that thing, you know, like That's there, cool. there is that component. I can't yeah. say that it's prevalent. I mean, it's mostly very rational investment decisions being made here, but yeah. that does come into play more often than you think. Yeah. Are there any um, future restrictions on the investors once they've they've purchased a royalty stream? To, are they free to turn around and sell that off somewhere else? Do whatever they want. They're, they are free to sell it. Uh, they have, some have, have done so through us. Uh, I don't know of any examples of anyone who's bought it and then sold it outside of our platform. But they have no, they have no say or control over the artist catalog. They don't go out and like try to get sync placements for it or anything like that. And they're not working the catalog. 
okay, these, these are people that are looking for passive investments. They're not they, trying they're, to they, they, just, they just purchased a, a potential revenue stream is all right. they purchased. I mean, honestly, like when we talk to investors, one of the, the, the comparisons we make, it's kind of like buying, re, uh, you know, uh, real estate or like rental income. You buy something, you spend a lot of money, you buy something, that thing just continues to earn revenue and you don't have to do anything. Like with us, you don't have to fix the refrigerator or anything like that. You know, you just, it just earns. Uh, and that's what they're looking for. And so it's like we, we say to, uh, to uh, creators and whatnot, it's like having a silent partner. They're going to give you money and they're going to leave you alone. Right. And that's not something you hear a lot in the music business. So. What, uh, you know, the creators who are selling off their, their royalties, on average, are they, what, are, what percent are they selling off? How many people might be sitting here going, I want to sell 100% versus I'm only selling 5%? Well, that's interesting. So the way that we try to look at it is we want to figure out what it is this, this artist is trying to accomplish. Like, what, what, how much money are you looking to raise? You know, and then we backtrack it from there. Okay, so you're looking to raise X. Your catalog over the last few years has raised Y. Here's how much we think uh, you could carve out to accomplish what that goal that you've had is. Okay, so yeah, in some cases, people are just trying to just cash out and be like, you know, I just want to let this go. I want to retire. I want to retire, right? Uh, you know, we we work with one woman that was actually an heir. Her her husband was a songwriter. She had the royalty stream. She sold it to fund her retirement. She pulled a few songs out to give to her to give to the grandkids, basically of the of the songwriter. So they had something tangible uh, of what he wrote. And the rest of it, she was able to, to to sell through us and fund her retirement. So yes, you have the hundred percent sales. They're absolutely there. Some people just need the money that hundred percent would get. Well, we have other songwriters who who basically want to break from their old, like a creative and financial break from that old catalog. They, they tell us, I talk with a lot of these folks afterwards and the stories are really fascinating. And I had never thought about this uh, before I came here, but songwriters who have been writing songs for others and now they want to establish their own careers as a recording artist in their own right. They, all they do is they usually spend all their time working that old catalog of theirs. They're still trying to milk those old songs that they, that they wrote all the time. And they wrote those songs for other people. By selling it, you're you're breaking from that from that hassle of having to work that old catalog. You're selling off that 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 past of yours, and then now you can creatively focus on what you want to create going forward. And so some 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 songwriters need that that phys, almost physical break right. in their past of that catalog. So, I mean, to answer your question though, they're, they're, it's really all over the map. We've seen things as low as 10, 15 percent to to 100 percent. The I would have to look at the numbers to give you an accurate uh, average. It would be fair to say around 50% would be the average, maybe, but I, I don't know exactly what that is. It actually would be something worth looking at. But do, are, do, you do, going, do, are you going after songwriters, or do you wait for them to come to you? We do a little bit of both. I mean, we have we do marketing. You know, we do some advertising. Uh, we go to conferences and events. We do, uh, you know, podcasts like this. We're, yeah. we're in the press a, a bit, yeah. uh, you know, that kind of thing. So um, we, we definitely want to put the message out there of, of what we're doing. We, we try to work with um, the artist uh, advocates and try to get them to understand what it is that we're doing and how we can be of assistance. So we try to work with the PROs and, and, and the others. Because a lot of times the artists go to the PRO or the publisher or someone like that to ask for advance and there's less of an opportunity for, for those outlets to, to, to provide that. Right. So we try to be a resource for them and say, okay, we understand that you might not be able to satisfy that need but we can, you know, and so we work a little bit like that. So I'd say yeah. it's pretty much, you know, right. half and half. Like, you know, would half would it be fair to say that you're um, educating the public? Because I've seen pieces written um, 
that come from royalty exchange that you broke up on me. Oh, can you hear me now? Can can you can you re, can can you rephrase that? Yeah, you're back. Jay? Yeah, you, you you froze up in the middle of that question, Jay. Sorry. Okay, no no problem. No, I I just noticed that sometimes I read these pieces online that are very interesting, where it seems as though royalty exchange is actually making an effort to educate the public not only on what they do but the space in general. Would that be accurate to say? Absolutely. I think education is really important. I think. You guys have, have been in this space uh, for a while, and, and I covered it for, for a bit. I think what you see is that a lot of times change comes to the music industry from outside of the music industry. That uh, That's certainly the case with you know digital distribution and whatnot, sure. and, and the music industry didn't create. Download, you know, streaming, streaming, yeah. Okay, that kind of stuff. And that was a really difficult transition, as we all know. You know, I think that you're seeing now change coming in from other places, uh, particularly from on the on the financing point of view, right? You started with the, 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 the crowdfunding platforms, and then you've got companies similar to ours that are that are now coming in with from bringing more of an investor uh, point of view to this. And and I think that disruption is far more positive and bringing value in to the music uh, business. And so I think that that you know with the music industry, you know, it, it, there's a lot of traditional and historical way of doing things. And so educating people on how other industries and other people with different um, motivations see what's what's happening in the business is helpful. And I think the more you understand why an investor would want to put money into something like this. It's They're not a label, they're not a publisher, they're not trying to work the catalog. Why are these people buying music royalties? What, what is possibly in it for them? That's one of the biggest questions we get. So trying to educate people on the opportunity that they have. I mean, one of the lines that my CEO, Matt Smith, has said once that I thought was really telling was that, you know, artists don't realize they are sitting on gold mines, but they've been offered pennies for it from other outlets. I don't want to necessarily point fingers, but you sure. understand why the others might see this as valuable and the opportunity that that provides them. That's really, really powerful. So yes, education is certainly a big, big part of what it is because A, because of that, B, because of a lot of the, again, the conventional wisdom in the music business, the idea of selling royalties is, is often seen as like a last uh, act of desperation from someone. And and in some cases, that that, that is why uh, some artists will choose that route. But the idea that you've got this 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 royalty stream and the things that you can do with it uh, are so powerful. It's actually a really smart financial decision. And to start thinking about things as an artist differently than just like, oh, I'm just going to make the art and other people will will take care of the business. Yeah, yeah. That's the reason artists have gotten screwed over for so many years, yeah. and they don't understand is they actually have, they don't realize what they've got yeah, at their fingertips. They may not be thinking about it like that. So if I'm a songwriter yeah. um, and I want to learn more about this, where where can people find out more about you and about royalty exchange, where, where can they kind of reach out and educate themselves? So we, our website, uh, royaltyexchange.com, uh, there's a, you know, we have tabs on the top in the menu there that, that has a lot of options for you. There's one that just says raise money and that's sort of the, the tab for you. There's a, there's a lot of, uh, there's sort of the general pitch and exp- explanation as to how this works. But there's also a link to all the guides that we, that we write that explain why this is important. Um, there's a link to our blog uh, where we do a lot of writing there. We, we have a couple different things on the blog, just general insights from, from us on a regular basis, but also uh, we work with a, a former publisher who's a you know, professor of, of music business here in Denver uh, who on a weekly basis kind of summarizes the news of the week and why this is important and kind of provides some insights with that. We actually, uh, this is sort of funny, it's not, we, we, write, we, we create a chart that basically ranks the songwriter, the songwriters behind the top songs of the week, based on the Billboard chart. So we take the Billboard Hot 100, we figure out who all the songwriters are, 
and we figure out which songwriters had the most number of uh, uh, placements on the track, rank it based on the, the, the chart, and then we just literally rank each songwriter. We do this every single week so you can see who's really behind the, the, the hit. So anyway, there's a lot, there's a wealth That's of information cool. on, that, on that site, and I plan on, on having a whole lot more. Uh, I'm looking at maybe doing our own podcast. Maybe I'll have one of you as my guest one, one day. We'd soon. love so to, we'll sure. Yeah. And we also do a lot of uh, talk at uh, conferences and events. We'll be at we'll be at South by Southwest. We'll be at the ASCAP Expo. Um, Music and, uh, Business Association in Denver. Music Business. Sorry, I don't, uh, Nashville. Yeah, the Nashville. One. I, will, I don't know that we're speaking yet on that one. I know that we'll certainly be in attendance. Uh, we'll see if there's a way we can you know get on a stage somewhere. Cool. Um, one 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 final question. So, somebody decides they want to sell something. How quickly can they get up? into your marketplace and selling it? Because it sounds like there's a little bit of behind the scenes to get things ready. So sure. how, how, how fast can they get up there and have an auction start? We can have an auction start in a matter of weeks. We can have from when you first call us to the auction actually closing and initial funds transferred could be as quick as 30 days. Um, it's, it can be a little longer than some other options. Um, but you know, so long as your affairs are in order, and you know, we have to make sure that you don't have any like tax liens or other encumbrances and such like that. But you know, for for a standard, no major, you know, outline hassle, you know, we could we could turn something around pretty easily for you in thirty days. Now, do do you does your documents online go through? Here's all the things you should make sure you've got in order to 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 do this yes. as quick as possible. I'll have to go back and see precisely what's on there, but there's a uh, the way it basically works is we have a form. You type in, you provide some information, and that form generates sort of the next steps, and there's some communication that goes mostly through email and whatnot. We're actually in the process of updating our site now with a little bit more granular detail on those types of things. But you know, as long as you have your you know your statements in the last few years together and you have a basic sense of how much you've been earning sure. and whatnot, um, and we, we probably should put together something a bit more outside of that, like, do you have any tax issues? Do you have any other kind of liens? Or, but they're, they're not as common, so it's not as, as, as overtly necessary to have, to have up there. It's just it happens every now and then. And, and if you're an investor, do you have the ability to sort of set up a, a keyword search that will notify you if a certain artist shows up a certain Not writer like shows up the way it, the way it works is when you're an investor you, it's a free registration uh, you don't have to be an accredited investor uh to 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 be on the platform and then we just basically email you uh and notify you every time there's a new auction um, up. okay okay and then we provide a lot of detail in that and uh, we generally have anywhere between two and three sometimes four auctions a week so there's 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 usually something up there for you to take a look at um, but again, our investors aren't as interested in looking for specific artists or songs. They're just looking for good opportunities. Good opportunities. Got it. Got it. Got it. This That's, was this was great. Yeah, Thanks. I learned a lot. Thank you, Anthony. Well, hey, if you ever any questions, even outside of the podcast, let me know. Uh, like I said, we 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 put out a lot of content, a lot of information, and I'm hoping to do a whole lot more here over the course of the next few months. So I appreciate uh, you guys letting me come on. Yeah, appreciate awesome. you. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you. Take it easy. Take care. We're we're doing take two here, guys, because frankly, Skype sucks. How can you say that? <laughs> it just it just sucks. Um, that was a really fun conversation. It was. Um, you know, it, it it makes me wish I was more of an investor to go out there and have some fun investing in in some song some songwriters that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's something you know a lot of people haven't really thought about because there wasn't a lot of revenue in it maybe before, 
and it is fairly new, right? But as a songwriter, you know, it's something to take a look at. It might be a nice uh, revenue stream for you to finance a, a project you're working on or just something where you can get some uh, revenue now. Um, it's, uh, it's, it was very educational listening to Anthony. I, I had no idea that um, there were all those opportunities. Yeah, no, it, it, was, it was a lot of good information. Um, I'm going to go poke around and see what's up there. Yeah, uh, you know. but I would tell people that I, I watch their blog pretty closely, and it's not just them selling themselves um, and selling royalty exchange and royalty flow. They put out a lot of stories that talk about that part of the industry, and a lot of times I'll put them in your morning coffee. A lot of times I'll share them. So if you're in, if you're a songwriter or you're interested in how that royalty area works, um, I encourage you to check out their site and their blog. Cool. cool, cool, awesome. Well, that's it. Another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. We're out of here till next week. <laughs>